0: Supernatural is
1: something that isn't supposed to happen, does it? AM 1420, WBSN presents Spooky South Coast
0: with your hosts, Tim Weinstein and Matt Costa.
2: Welcome to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, and as I was trying to explain to you, Moniz, you know, a little bit of breakdown of that fourth wall, that's licensed music, so we can't record that. Ah. Uh. Not without DJ RJD2's <laughs> permission. He'd be cool with it. Says you. These headphones are kind of terrible. <laughs> All right, well, we are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. And it's going to be just another one of those shows, I think, tonight. We have our guest is going to be Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. And if that name sounds familiar, well, that's because she's the great-granddaughter of Dwight Eisenhower. And if it doesn't sound familiar, shame on you. Go back to ninth grade history class. Study the presidents. Because uh, she's been involved in some pretty amazing things, and we're going to talk to her about those coming up in just a few minutes, and then a little bit later on, during the Week in Weird segment, we're going to have a few guests who are going to be talking to us about a poodle and a tinfoil hat. Now, I'm just going to think, I think I'm going to leave it at that for right now, so you'll have to stick around for the Week and Weird to find out more about that.
1: It's a great teaser.
2: It, thank you. Yeah. I, was, I, was, uh, I was contemplating whether I should go further than that, but I think poodle, tinfoil hat, that's pretty much all you need. If that's not enough to make you stick around for the show, then I'm gonna th- stick around. Then there's something wrong with you. Well, you have to stick around because I'm blocking the door. Oh, so you can't get by. Uh, speaking of uh, sticking around to an uncomfortable amount of time, how about that band practice the other night, huh? When uh, all of a sudden we found out we were doing a second Bon Jovi song that we didn't know anything <laughs> about.
1: Yeah, it actually didn't sound all that bad. You guys did pretty good.
2: Well, thank you. That's because I turned down my amp so you can hear what I was doing. Actually, I was doing pretty well for myself during the first run-through because my, my amp was really low, but then the lead guitarist, Sean, decided to turn it up, and that's when everything fell apart. So as long as I stay quiet, we'll be fine. But uh, if, you're, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's the Rock Me Amadeus Fundraiser for New Bedford Public Schools and the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra's program in the schools. It's coming up on April 9th at the Skyrim and Howland Place here in New Bedford. Tickets are $45 apiece, and they are on sale now. Just contact the symphony orchestra, and they'll be able to tell you where to get them. You can also email me, Tim, at SpookySouthCoast.com, and I'll point you in the right direction, because I wasn't really paying attention the other night when Terry was telling us where the tickets were available. No. I, was trying to, I was online trying to get the directions to make the talk box work <laughs> so it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be fun definitely gonna be fun uh, and you know just when I thought we had living on a prayer down they throw it's my life at us so we'll be ready yeah we've got a month well uh, if if it does cause your ears to bleed just remember it's for charity <laughs> so it's worth the pain is well that, we, is that just because it's Bon Jovi or No, because it's us playing (laughs) Bon Jovi. Sean was really good, and and Ken's son was was amazing. He
1: was amazing,
2: and 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 Ken did a great job. And uh, Doreen was it that's playing the keyboard from Channel Six? I think
1: so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. So uh, if you you know want to come by and rock out with us, tickets forty five dollars, and it all goes to benefit the the New Bedford Symphony Orchestra program for music in the schools. So if anything, it might be worth it just to see us make a fool of ourselves. Absolutely. So, and uh, I mean, we do it all the time for free, but... <laughs> and uh, at the end of the show, when we smash Wayne's base, we'll autograph <laughs> pictures, uh, autograph pieces of yeah. it for people. So. We'll take pictures of Wayne crying over it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll get into the discussion with Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. You're not going to believe the stuff that uh, she's going to be talking about with us tonight, including a secret colony on Mars. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. All right, welcome back to spooky South Coast Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, we want to invite everybody to jump onto the website spookysouthcoast dot com click the chat link and that'll take you over to our friend Craig's site where he's hosting a live chat as he does each and every Saturday night during the show and uh, I guess I guess they have a good time in there. We don't know because we don't have Jav on our computer yeah have you have you heard things about the chat?
1: I haven't not yet. But I'm sure they're having a good time. They used to have a good time back well, when we...
2: I know for sure it. that uh, Craig will email me if anybody in the chat room has any questions, but if you'd like to email us during the course of the show, Crew at com. we can get that and read your question right on the air. Also, if you want to call in, the numbers are 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420, and really, tonight is going to be a night where I think you're going to have questions. Because I've got plenty of questions for our guests tonight. Laura Magdalene Eisenhower is a teacher and healer, recognized throughout by clients, psychics, and secret societies as a living global oracle and true archetype of the Sophia Magdalene on Earth. She is also the great-granddaughter of President Eisenhower, and since a young age has felt a profoundly strong calling to serve humanity and assist us in breaking free of the false matrix and misuses of power that threaten our freedom. Continuing both the Eisenhower and the Magdalene legacies, she has battled dark, hidden forces and agendas in order to protect humanity from larger global crises. Growing up around political leaders and influential people, she easily accessed the part of her nature that will not rest until global freedom, justice, and peace on Earth is established, as well as our reconnection with the vast universe, including all races, star systems, and dimensions. Laura, welcome to the show. i got to say, I can't argue with any of that.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Well, it sounds almost like you're a superhero, I have to
3: say. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to word it and, and try and, you know, I'm not trying to over-inflate myself at all, but it's sort of, uh, you know, you've got to come to a point where you start to become real with yourself instead of um, sort of self-trashing and self-defeating. And, um, you know, when you actually choose to step, step up to the plate, um, it not only heals me and um, helps me to, you know, keep the focus and actually find support rather than carry this burden and do it all alone. You know, I'm not the only one doing it. Um, you know, this is a collective thing. I, I more represent a unified field. So, uh,
2: See, the, um, uh, being a writer by trade, I'm, I'm a believer in if you write it down and you put it out there, then you have to live up to it. And I think that that's a, a good approach to, to try to set the mark that way.
4: Right, right. So
3: I think that I certainly um, have... I do live up to it, and I did before I even wrote it, and I was encouraged to write it. Actually, somebody sort of wrote it for me, um, and I was like, okay, well, if that's what you think, well, it is what I'm doing. You know, I'm not done yet, but that that is what I do on a daily basis, When I can't lie. It's a big responsibility, so if, if I could choose, I probably would, you know, do a, a fraction of it, because it is very overwhelming and quite uh, strainful to my being, but... Well,
2: I'll I'll ask you about that because, you know, since this story broke on the examiner.com site and and it really started to pick up momentum, there's been a lot of questions coming out. One of the questions that I've been hearing quite a bit regarding you and your work is people are are questioning the relationship of, of you and President Eisenhower because somebody found a family tree on some website and your name doesn't appear on it.
3: Well, that's pretty weird. Um, my other cousin, Meryl, isn't on there, and my two sisters, Caroline and Amy, are not on there. And, you know, it's like this is easily solved. First of all, it's easy to figure out who my parents are because my husband knows my mom real well. I used to work at the Eisenhower Institute. Um, you know, it's like it would be the stupidest thing to lie about because it would take two seconds, you know, for Absolutely. the to be. My driver's license has the name Eisenhower. Um, I have a birth certificate that says my mom's name. It's like I can't help that the Internet doesn't get everything correct, but it's a lot easier to just look to me and and see, you know, my resume. You know, my mom, obviously, if she had to, would, would confirm this. I go to my grandfather's, Ike's son, every Thanksgiving, and I'm close to all my family. And I have sisters and a, and a father that, you know, would easily, I mean, it's, it's, it's not something
4: to lie about. Well, it's, it would be the stupidest thing you,
3: to lie about. Do
2: you about. think that maybe it's a, an example of maybe you've got information that people don't want to get out there and they're trying to discredit you before you can spread the word?
3: Yeah, and, you know, let them do what they're going to do because this is a selfless act. It's not really for me. And, you know, it's, it's like take it or leave it. It's, it's um... I'm only offering it, you know, as a service, as as, as something that um, I, I can't control what people make of it, and you know, I'm not here to. It's like people can think what they want of me. Um, it's 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 there though, and it's it's. it's Truth can't
2: really be intimidated by doubt. So I just, I do what I do. Well, our producer, Matt Costa, who is also our resident skeptic, uh, he pointed it out today uh, looking through your website. You know, it, it discusses your credentials, and it talks about who you are, what you do, and what your message is. And you're not selling anything. You're not trying to make money for yourself by doing this. So you're just trying to get the word out there. And I think that that alone helps people's credibility to just say, hey, here's who I am and here's what I do, and, you know, I'm not really looking to, to take money out of your pocket for it.
3: No, I don't ask for any money. I, I do readings, but I do it by donation. And, you know, when people can't pay, I, I, I mean, right now I have somebody that I'm doing free readings to because she really needs help and she's broke. The work that I do during the day is almost volunteer. I barely make any money doing it, but it's a good service. It's mineral water. Um, but, you know, I, I make enough to, to take care of my children's needs. Um, but, no, I'm not promoting a book. I'm not promoting anything. There was a lot of family opportunities I actually uh, rejected that could have given me a lot of attention and fame in different ways. But I felt a deeper calling. And, um, you know, and my grandfather even said, you know, you're a real warrior because you're really doing this for the planet. You're not kind of riding the coattails of the Eisenhower name and taking advantage of all the opportunities that could actually give me, you know, fame and the chance to promote, you know, whatever skills I enjoy or hobbies. Um, this is real work, and, um, you know, I, I certainly it's, I, I don't get paid for it. Uh, but I do, you know, what I can um, as far as day jobs and, and, and reading to just make sure there's food on the table.
2: Sure. Now, why don't we set up a little bit, before we get into to some of the things that uh, you've been discussing lately, why don't we just kind of set up a little bit about what it was like for you growing up, you know, being an Eisenhower and, and having the political eye on your family name?
4: Um,
3: well, it was a lot different. You know, it was, I was sort from of the cutoff generation. My mom obviously went through a lot more. She had Secret Service around, and, um, her you know, her grandfather was in office when she was growing up. Um, with me, it was sort of, okay more the historical fact. I, I did meet Mamie. I did spend a lot of time on the farm. Never met Ike, but I, you know, it was always close to my family. And it was very surreal growing up. It was sort of like, wow, how did I end up in this family? Um, but then I just felt a deep connection to Eisenhower and um, just really just the mission and, and everything, you know, that I write about is, is really just how I've always been since a kid. But I just found it surreal on the level of, you know, having a historical name and having, um, if I ever brought it up to people, it just sort of created a buzz. So uh, I, I kind of hid the last name. It's uh, made a maiden name of my mother. Um, the reason I'm using it now is is because I think people will take me, you know, seriously, and it is part of my legal name. But, I, you know, I kind of grew up, you know, very hidden about it. I didn't really tell people. Um, I didn't want, you know, too much attention drawn to me on that level, and so I really did some solid work. Um, but, yeah, you know, going to Thanksgiving especially, you know, looking through the photo albums and seeing pictures of the Holocaust and, and just – you know, just, wow, this is really my family, and, you know, they're all authors, so many books have been written, and, you know, there's a sense of a lot of humility, and, like, wow, you know, I feel really humbled by this, and, um, you know, it's, it's uh, hard for it to be rewarding because there's so much responsibility attached that the only rewarding part, really, is if you achieve your mission, and I know that, in a lot of ways, Eisenhower didn't really complete a lot of his goals, and I, and I feel like I'm really assisting completing that legacy. But well, he did an amazing—he did amazing stuff for sure, of course. But I know that there is things after the warning of the military-industrial complex that have sort of landed in my lap and many of our laps to uh, really pay attention to.
2: Well, you must have—you know—felt kind of a bit of a dichotomy growing up as part of that family, but then also realizing that there are some some darker machinations going on behind the scenes, uh, not just in politics and in government, but in all kinds of things, and to be in one sense a family that has a very public name, but then to also realize that there's some things behind the scenes that you'd kind of want to expose if you could.
3: Yeah, that was all really bizarre. I didn't expect because I was never a researcher. I was very much a free spirit. I loved to just, you know, go on wilderness adventures and camp and have fun with friends. And, you know, I wasn't somebody who was like, okay, I'm going to go delve into the mysteries of everything. I was always curious about... A lot, And I and I understood the esoteric part of my past, the Magdalene part and the positive timeline and Venus and th- th- mythology and how I was sort of living through some of that. But the uh, alien part sort of took me by surprise. I always had an open mind to it um, and totally believed people's stories and what they were going through. But I never really got into getting entangled in conspiracy or um, hidden aspects that are way behind the scenes um, until it dawned on me around the age of 12 that, wow, I'm, I'm doing stuff behind the scenes, and I'm carrying a responsibility that I cannot explain to anybody, and it's so heavy duty, and, you know, I felt targeted. I felt, you know, really weird things happening to my being. I had a really hard time getting in my body, and so I was just on a quest to really understand what was behind it, and um, it wasn't until recently, three years ago, with the Mars stuff that I've written about that it, it all really made sense of what why this had been going on and why it goes on for other people and, and what... This is really bad and what the roots are, and and what is what its goal is, um, which is not good. And uh, I realize this this is a different war. This is a, a more invisible war, a psychic war, a war between spirit and negative technologies um, that manifests as you know different types of war. But it, it's 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 like. It, but it, there's a whole, there's so much more of it that's invisible than just you know what's going on in Afghanistan or, or in these different countries. There's there's something that we're we're kind of in, we're not aware of that uh, is affecting our freedom and um, our our uh, ability to really understand our true nature and and have a hold and a grasp on our freedom and how to create our destiny um, as our birthright really wants us. You know, as as nature itself and our and our organic being is capable of creating. Mm-hmm. So.
2: That's one thing that I want to ask you about is, is, and this I recognize, you know, I recognize Gaia as being the Mother Earth spirit, uh, the Mother Earth goddess. I recognize, you know, the idea of Venus and, and Magdalene. I know the names, but I'm, I'm not really sure where you're coming from with all that stuff. If you can kind of just explain to us what you mean by, you know, carrying on that that type of work.
3: Right, right. Well, the two kind of fuse because there's one where. Here I am kind of uncovering this stuff, but then I realized this ties into this. This is all connected. How weird to have such this emphasis on this Magdalene Sophia thing in my life and then to have, you know, the -the behind-the-scenes hidden agendas. And then I realized the two connect, and that actually this Mars thing was connected to this archetypal thing, which connects to the ancient game. So here I am just trying to put the puzzle pieces together. 60% of it was based on what was communicated to me, and the rest of it was me, you know, being a skeptic and proving it, trying to prove it wrong, like, there's no way, you know, come on, there's just no way, and 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 spending years just trying to make sure that, you know, if I ever did come forward with this stuff, that I I do have solid proof and evidence uh, on many fronts. So, you know, from a young age, I definitely connected to the Magdalene spirit and, of course, Guy, and I was just uh, immersed in nature in in many ways, as as kids can be, And, um, but I felt that I was being drawn into a journey to help me break free of the manipulations and the negative technologies that ended up being somewhat esoteric and mythological. And so it's not like I pre-planned this. It was just sort of like I was connecting. I lived in England, so I was connecting to a lot of the sacred sites in Glastonbury where her energy is really strong, and I just, you know, had all these memories. And then I even went off into the wilderness for a couple of years and fasted a lot just to make sure that I wasn't being manipulated, to believe that I'm, you know, so-and-so. And, and I don't look at it. As, as like I'm claiming to be anything to me, I'm like a, it's like a code name for just being a voice of our our unified field of of what our potential is of of the divinity in all of us. Sure. So I'm kind of here to really activate the divine blueprint, but it's not like I I think I'm any like I'm not raising myself as anybody different. It's more I, I'm into the equality, the justice, the freedom, and and the awareness and the awakening. Um, and so I'm just a loud reminder. I'm not really you know trying to be like some figure and some goddess. And even Christ had the same sort of messages, and religion has really kind of made it hard for us to understand that. Um, it's just so what it really connects to the Venus part is that Venus has transits, and if one understands the Mayan calendar and other things about astrology, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Mayan calendar, but, um, you know, the stars do affect things in the cosmos. Um, certain alignments happen in this and that, but Venus uh, has a particular function on Earth, Um and they're called Venus Transits, and 2012 is the culmination of what Venus is actually doing. And my chart happens to be the strongest vibration of, of, of Venus energy that, that has ever kind of aligned um, in, in a human chart. Uh, there's seven planets ruled by Venus and seven ruled by Pluto, and they all kind of converge, which is the path of the morning and evening star, which, you know, starts and goes into the underworld and does all this stuff. And this actual archetype and... and um, combination and astrological thing is actually the name of all these archetypes and the same sort of elements that the same same lineup that, that, that they all had Magdalene and all of them it's like this legacy so I you know my husband calls me the lineage holder I, I've been you know read by many psychics who've seen it in past lives but to not you know trip people up and, and try and you know get involved in all that whatever it is I do carry you know a Venus energy and I sort of personified going through the motions of you know, as a force of nature to bring about, you know, global transformation through going through the underworld, breaking free of these negative technologies and helping awake, awaken people to the roots that are below those conspiracies and those agendas. Um,
2: well, then to how, know, how, does, myself, as I say, how does somebody then who is so uh, free-thinking and open to these things, how do you get involved in something like a, a clandestine Mars colony?
3: Well, that was the manipulation was that, the global elite and new world order and all these they don't want global transformation. They don't want freedom on earth. They don't want us all to be awake and aware. Um, they, You know, because if we start to realize that God isn't separate and we actually, you know, really do embody, you know, divine forces and energies and we're actually just as powerful as Christ or Buddha or anybody, then where do they make money and where do they feed off of it? I mean, the whole thing is, for thousands of years, and it's completely ingrained in our society and culture. It's not like we have to radically change everything, and it's not good to make money. It's just we have to understand what are we giving our power to. So they have a strong need to target anybody that has a mission that could really make an incredible shift that for the betterment. Um, because, you know, what are they, where would it lead them? I mean, when you think about the banking systems and you think about some of these secret groups and even Bohemian Grove. I mean, I, I recommend that people really do research, but yeah, you know, I, I also recommend do not get entangled in it and just focus on the positive because it's a bit of a it's pretty intense once you get get into it. So, um, so yeah, I guess they what what I was assisted in understanding was that they targeted me at a young age, and then it culminated around three years ago when they messed with a potential partner I could have. They had some sort of list of potential men that I could be with because they do remote viewing. There's you know talk about time travel and. Um, understand the Akashic Records and they're psychic spies so they're able to really know what people are up to and what their paths are. And they sent somebody to find me at this festival who um, tried to, you know, well, we formed a relationship. I didn't know he was an agent and he was, that he was sent to find me. And then later on it, it ended up that he was trying to get me to go to Mars. And their agenda was that we would go to Mars and assist in receiving a new civilization under their control. And that we would just, or me, I don't know about him, I'm not going to speak for him, but that this would keep me from doing what I needed to do on Earth. And the whole thing was that, oh, there's going to be Earth cataclysms, and this is some survival colony. But at the same time, he acted so bizarre and robotic, he would be called to do missions, and all of a sudden his energy would change. He would go out and have communications with alien energies. And I believe in real abductions, but this this was produced, and I've read a lot about false holographic, true chips that people can experience abductions, and and this was very familiar this seemed like that so uh and he he was acting wacko and and uh so i broke free and i was like there's no way and i wasn't going to go anyway
2: but so there, so whatever the new world order whatever we want to uh term this call it (laughs) yeah whatever the they is in this regard and and we'll just say it's some sinister self-serving force uh they've decided that you would be somebody that they need to kind of suppress and with that in mind they used as you said psychic abilities remote viewing and and tried to follow the course of your life and set you up essentially to to get you off the planet
3: yeah and that's you know pretty much what what i've uncovered and you know and others as well um there's you know like andy passagio who's a colleague of mine um you know in the Examiner article, he, they, they, he, he's mentioned and uh, he went through things as a child where they were um, setting him up for a similar thing and he, you know, broke free of it and is talking about it. And, you know, this is, like like I always like to say, if, if we really wanted attention for this, first of all, it's, it's excruciating to go through. It's something that is not very well received and it would be much better to write a movie script if, if I was interested in any of this at all and want to fame and attention because it's certainly a, a pretty far out story. So, you know... It's, 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 you kind of go through it, you survive it, and, and you live to tell the tales. Um, but yeah, so knowing, as you see what I've written, I do have a lot of plans to help, you know, guide this planet into this shift amongst others. And, um, you know, and they've really tried to get in my way, and I, and, and I'm still, you know, recovering from it. What I went through with Agent X was unbelievable. And, um, I found out, you know, he was an agent. I had dreams that really assisted me in understanding what he was, what, what this was about. Even if it wasn't sinister and didn't have the mind control aspect to it, I still would have stayed on Earth because I, I've had a mission since I was a kid. I always knew about it. I was always very clued into it. Um, but then when I, you know, so I, I didn't think anything of it at first. Like, oh, this is some Noah's Ark thing, but I'm still not going to go because not everybody's going to, what if, like, not everybody's able to go. And, you know, I'm here for everybody. And, you know, sure. we all die anyway, so why, why am I trying to save my physical body? I'm trying to, you know, protect consciousness. Um and and that's when that hit me harder, because if, if this is manipulated and people are being controlled, then I need to make this stop, because it's not about making sure the physical body survives. It's, it's, it's We don't want to lose our minds and our souls to these people, and I'm not trying to sound scary, but if you're being controlled by something, then you're not being authentically who you really are. And that was the scariest part to me, because obviously not everybody's physical body is going to make it. We might die, you know, for other reasons that have nothing to do with the end times, but I do know that a shift's happening and, and that a portal's going to be open and even the veils between life and death will be lifted. So I know that sounds really bizarre, too, but, I mean, this is what my being tells me. And um, and this, you know, is, is, is just a product of the fact that we're going to be a lot more in tune with the creative process of life, of death and regeneration and, and, and rebirth without having to actually lose the physical vessel. And a lot of these agendas actually put this duality out, you know, that, that makes us, you know, and we're just busting through, and free will has given us the chance to return to a level of Eden, immortality, and things that Christ Sophia and, and a lot of, um, you know, powerful beings represent that we have in our DNA. So, um, you know, yeah, they wanted to pretty much take me off my mission and use technologies to try and rid me of memory and and um, really screw with my head. And I, I, I was really lost for a long time. I, I couldn't really put piece together what, what the heck I was doing and why I was going through all this stuff. I kind of put my mission or whatever it was on the back burner, got pretty self-destructive for many years, and just I didn't know what was going on. And, um, you know, I pulled it together, and especially after Agent X, um, I was like, okay, now this all makes sense. Now I get it. Now I know what these forces have been. And and, and then I really started to heal and just like, okay, now I got a grip on it. And, and I went to a clairvoyant institute for two years, and I've had, you know, 10, 15 readings, even ones that, you know, my – Partner, right now, is witness that that confirmed that this is all true and everything I'm saying is true. Even a sound technologist, who's a friend of his, um, you know, did a voice print. So I, I, got, I had to have these things before I was going to speak because I, I doubted myself all the time. I mean, how how can somebody say this? You know, it's like I, I really I was my worst skeptic. And uh, you know, we live in near L.A. and these are you know pretty renowned people that um you know do these readings and use these technologies. So very easy for me, just like proving that I'm part of the family. To uh, really have a lot of backup to to even this Venus Magdalene thing, um, I just you know I just I, I just carry a strong code to, uh, to to really run the Venus you know really assist Earth in anchoring this, this Venus passage and all these, these these things and it's the most familiar thing to me. It's like I've been doing it for for lifetimes, but.
2: Well, if you have any, I'm oh, sorry, I did to cut you off. There. Oh no no. let if you have any questions for Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, and you want to discuss uh, any of her work with her, you can give us a call: 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. You can also email Spooky Crew at spookysouthcoast.com. Uh, so, Laura, they tried to get you to agree to go to this to this mars colony that they're trying to start what information did they give you about what exactly they were building there was it already built at this point was it still theoretical was it already up and operational
3: i didn't really get a, 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 a clue about that what was actually there when i met andy i started to understand oh there has been a mars colony or you have seen stuff there and i really you know trust what he says is his, his it just, you can just tell. I mean, I, I, I've heard him speak, and it's just very consistent every time, and it's just filled with just so much information. And actually, he was told that he would meet me back in the 70s and 80s and that we would be disclosing this type of stuff um, through sources because they were using some, and, and I, I don't want to confuse people and make it even sound more far out, but there's a lot there. There's a lot that's hidden from us. And um, so we'll leave that alone for now. But um, just to answer your question, I, I knew about the ships. I knew about um, the fact that if I didn't go, they threatened to kidnap me, but maybe they didn't mean it as seriously as I heard it because it kind of panicked me, and that there was no way he was allowed to stay on earth with me without having death threats or the possibility of being killed. So we had to, I had to leave him because there was no way I was going to go. They basically said, recruit. Either she's recruited or you have to get away from her, or, you know, people are going to get hurt. <laughs> So, so we broke up. And, um, right now he's bashing me, um, and he's, he's starting to send a lot of information out there, discrediting me. And, um, and that's fine. I have, you know, a lot of people coming in that have known him for years that, that, that know that he's, um, not what he appears to be and that, um, you know, somebody else is also validating that information was leaked to them that there is an actual, there was a Mars mission. It did have to do with 2012. And, that, you know, about a Mars colony. I just got that letter today. Somebody who's kind of an insider who, has a lot of associations with the CIA, um, has been assisting me. So um, so he wrote an article kind of really just saying, you know, whatever she, he's saying about her is actually not fully true. There's a lot of gray areas, you know, that I'm being doubted for, and that's fine. Like I said, um, I, I'm not really motivated on anything but just speaking truth, and I'm open to where I might be wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm not so attached to it where – I'm not flexible, but I am just saying what I saw and what I experienced. He did leak a lot of information to me, you know, as far as um, um, what the archetypal part and that they knew that I was a being and that... Um,
2: so kind of just like why they were targeting you more than what it was that you were going to be going to.
3: Well, I was supposed to possibly, like, run some... Ass- well, I don't know, under their control that um, that I would be getting... You know, they are trying to really butter it up and, like, oh, I'll be given some special role and and that, you know, they, he, he said, you know, they, everything that you write about, they know that you are that, like you are speaking to, you know, he validated that, but he had to take apart all the equipment in the house in order to tell me that because he said we are bugged and there's websites so all over the he's neighborhood. Like, and we he's were, like
2: flipping over lamps and looking for microphones and things like that.
3: Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he turned off every, pulled the plugs out of TV, put our cell phone batteries, like, in two remote places across the house from each other. It was very paranoid but did, you know, leak some stuff to me about that and did say that there were webcams and there were people following me, and ugh, I was just like, you know, and here I have two, you know, eight-year-old at the time, eight-year-old twins, twin boys I was taking care of. And sometimes he would come in after he would go on these missions or get phone calls and they would command him to do stuff, or he would go talk to some alien energies that were communicating to him about his mission, and I knew those were false. I, I do believe in real abductions. I do believe also there's agreements between humans and aliens um, about these agendas. But um, the frequencies coming off of his body made me and my boys sick. And, you know, I would never want to pull them into it, but they, they can validate a lot of what I'm sharing about what I went through with him because they were there. And, and my friend Kylia, who wrote on the article, she, you know, was on the phone with me a lot. But um, as far as what I knew about Mars, uh, there's just a, a plan to, to, to pull a, a number of us off the planet and, and to kind of pull the plug on everything on Earth. Um Probably not through natural sources. There's technologies like HARP that affect the weather. So what I'm trying to do is start a campaign to locate these technologies and deactivate them and bring it to the attention of, you know, because it, not the, the president and and the government as we know does not know about this stuff. This is this is um, you know, there's there's aspects of things going on that are so hidden that, uh, you know, so it's bizarre to go through it and and you know so this interestingly with. Is...
2: This goes beyond people that anything that people within our own government would would know about. Is there must be some some kind of connection?
3: Well, I'm sure there is because George Bush, you know, was was the head of the CIA. So perhaps there 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 is. But at the same time, a lot of these agendas affect the actual presidents as well. And I, I saw Steve Bassett talk one time, and he did say that there's levels of the government that the government, as we know, it has no idea. So you know, I, I am aware of that. And um, so I'm just kind of feeling a little bit like, okay, well, how do I tackle this? Because these technologies have got to be deactivated. Um, this is not, you know, this is. We, there's a whole other destiny for us that's happening that is that based on nature and, and Gaia and 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 you know. And I don't want to get all fluffy with goddess names and this and that. I mean, it's not really about that. It's it's a lot simpler. Yes. Um, it's it's divine will basically. Um, and uh, so th- what what, what he, he leaked to me clued me in enough. And what I saw him go through and how his behavior changed, I knew that this was not something done through choice or, or some sort of offering. Oh, like, hey, why don't you come along? First of all, he was sent me. Second of all, he was obviously being controlled. control. Third, we were not allowed to be together unless I was going to go. And um, and if I didn't go, you know, there was a threat that they might just, just grab me because I was an important part of their mission. After I broke free, uh, somebody, I think it was David Wilcock, had reported that the negative timeline had been, um, somewhat destroyed, and the global elite plans were diminishing. And I was like, "Wow, what timing?" Because I just broke free of all this like a couple of days ago. Um, so, you know, there's there's just a lot that that needs to come to the surface. I really like to just po- focus on the positive timeline, but I do think there's a bit of work ahead um, just to uh, protect to protect us, and uh, cool. um, and it's pretty scary because I can't really talk to my family about this. Um, you know, and Ike, you know, supposedly had a rumored. Encounter with aliens.
2: Well, that's definitely one um, thing I wanted to ask you about. Is is that something that ever came up in family discussion?
3: Never. I brought it up a lot, believe me. And um, I I did a lot of searching for information and just hoping I'd find something. So I'm like, why did this all land on me? And I figured, you know, maybe somebody in the family could assist me or help me. And none of them, they're just really, like, and I could tell that they are being honest, really have no answers or idea. So all I could do is kind of communicate with the spirit of um, Eisenhower which, you know, I was really able to communicate with. It's not like I talk to dead people and I'm very good at that, but I certainly had Ike by my side. And, you know, the Christ energy, um, in a very non-delusional way, I mean, it's very real to me, and only, like, those two forces really um, stood by my side. I know that sounds maybe bizarre to some, but um, I, I, I really was assisted uh, by... by cause he. It's like he knew that I was up against this, and nobody really understood it, and it, and it did carry over from sort of, you know, the agreements that the Nazis had and Hitler had with the same forces and and that they really found new hosts, and and this is just carrying on, it's the same type of thing where, you know, they pick a a particular genetic line or or bloodline or stream, and and they're trying to knock out, and, and, and who cares about everybody else, and they don't seem to realize, it's not some Darwinism thing, survival of the fittest, it doesn't matter what your genetics are, there is no higher bloodline, I mean... what what is the highest thing is when we awaken and we're being who we are and we understand our true nature and they're running the show just through dominance and ego and, and, and power and so it's interesting that Eisenhower being a German fought against the Germans but still had to answer to some alien force and um you know.
2: Well, let's let's get into that. Let's take take a quick break. Our last break of the hour. When we come back on the other side, we'll get a little bit more into that because we've discussed it on the show here in the past before the the rumors of the Eisenhower alien connection. But let's get a little bit deeper with someone who may know a little bit more than we do. We'll be right back with Laura Eisenhower in just a few minutes here on Spooky South Coast. Back to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, and we want to say thank you to Al, Linda, and Eric, who were all just here. They're work. We're working on a project here that we'll alert you all to real soon, but they were in here filming some stuff for that. And uh, let's get right back into our discussion with Laura Eisenhower about just a, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that's, you know, we always talk about the idea of these these dark conspiracies that are going on. And then when you find someone such as yourself, when we have the opportunity to, to talk with someone like yourself who has firsthand knowledge of this, it just, it snowballs. It's, your, it's easy to say, you know, your experiences and what you know, and then now these other things that we've heard, and then you start to realize just exactly what the the grasp and the scope of this really is. Yeah, no kidding. Is At any point where you were kind of afraid, knowing that they were trying to recruit you and they threatened to, to kidnap you for their purposes, have you ever felt like your life is in any danger?
3: Oh, all my life. I mean, I, I've gone through so many life and death things. They've been on me since I was a kid. And, you know, they, they've had all different ways to um, mess with me. I mean, like I said, they had a list of men. My, my first husband was completely overrun by alien energies um so there's the false aliens there's the real aliens but i know that they have agreements with them and they're sharing technology so how else are they going to make a fake abduction unless they have some information or technology from the actual real aliens and it's sort of like you know some sort of master plan that they're doing together is is i can only say i'm just is my intuition or um it's all fabricated and but i I really do after i saw what my first i've been so lucky with the men as you can see um... (laughs)
1: Sounds like me and women.
3: (laughs) But but after I saw what my you know first husband went through, he wasn't like that when I first met him, and that's sort of part of the thing where they wait till I like fall in love, then all of a sudden they go wacko on me, and there's all this alien energy, and and um, you know, and and this is not something I'm saying. This is the absolute truth. This is what it felt like. Like, um, and then when you know the Mars thing happened, it started to make more sense. Um, I don't know if they sent my first husband to find me or if that was all set up, I never got to the bottom of that. But, you know, he was really, I mean, he was seeing aliens all the time and he was barting the house. He wouldn't even sleep. It was really bizarre. Um, but rewind, what, what was the actual question you asked again? I got off on a tangent. Well, uh,
2: just, the, you know, the idea that uh, they're always lurking in the shadows almost and they're they're ready to, you know, can try to control you by any means necessary.
3: Yeah, so oh, was I scared for my life? Yeah, I mean, I I... I, I, I pretty much was in death experiences at least eight to ten times. I mean, they they, they program them. To, so
2: you, I mean, you've driven with Matt Moniz is what you said. saying? <laughs> Sorry. That? Uh, oh,
3: our
2: our oh, science Matt. advisor here, yeah, he's hey uh, there.
3: Oh, that's neat. Right, right. I heard that in the beginning. Um, well, yeah, no, I mean, all sorts of horrible things have happened to me. I, I don't need to bring you all into it. Um, I certainly don't feel like a victim. I feel more like a warrior, but, you know, they went wacko, which leads to, you know, trying to kill me, try, even trying to kill themselves in front of me. and
2: Because
3: wow. they went berserk. I mean, they're dealing with these energies that aren't even theirs. And, and then there's this thing where they just would not, like, they're very suffocating and very clean, and they, they were scared of themselves. And then, you know, just schizoid and multiple personalities and, and always talking about aliens. And, and the thing is that I was doing some research on that if the mind-control victims were to start to wake up to what they were putting them through, that their lives were threatened because it's it's a lot easier to talk about this now because so many people are awakening that they kind of, I don't think that it's as threatening as it used to be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm still worried that I had a dream the other night that a helicopter came out of the air and used some computer thing to target where I was and tried to blow me away, and I jumped into a ditch in time. But, I mean, my life has always been like that. I've been escaping death. This is the most peace I've had in the last two years that I've had since I can remember because it was really one thing after another, whether it was coming through an individual or some situation. And, you know, at the same time, I knew they didn't want to kill me, kill me, because they needed me, but they certainly wanted me to be so frightened that I could never really be in my body or really be at peace, because then I would start accessing my mission and actually starting to do the work. So they just made sure that I was... A nervous wreck and, and I was I even went to the hospital One time And I just said I just need to see Normal people Who actually care
2: <laughs> Well we're, uh, we're coming up On the news break here When we come back We're going to do Our news segment The week in Weird segment And then we'll bring you Back on the phone Laura Because I want to Talk to you some more About both uh, Your great grandfather's Interactions with aliens Or alleged interactions With aliens And also Matt Moniz Has a lot of experience With alien abductees I want to kind of Get into the idea Of these uh, artificial uh, Abduction scenarios and, and talk more about that So we'll get into All that coming up an hour or two, but first, we're going to find out about that poodle with the tinfoil hat and what he has to do with Glenn Beck. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Excitable? You bet I'm excitable. Are you excitable? Are you excitable? Um. Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you
0: excitable? <laughs> Spooky South Coast is back.
2: number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg, here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz, and in just a little bit, we'll get back into the discussion about this dark agenda and the alien interactions with Laura Eisenhower, Uh, but before we get into that, this is the segment of the show where we do our our news segment, so uh, Matt, why don't you prepare the, the intro, and I'll stall for a second while we do it. And normally, we sit here and we read stories that are kind of strange and funny, and Basically, stories that we can make jokes out of. But uh, this story is really interesting, so we thought we would bring this to you, uh, complete with the people who made it happen. So let's get a little weird.
0: More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you
2: All right. Now, this story isn't exactly weird into itself. I mean, if anybody, and everybody pretty much is, but anybody that's on Facebook, that would be the entire world except for Matt Costa, <laughs> you, uh, you know that one of the happening things to do on Facebook is to make a some sort of silly page and see if, you know, that... Particular person, subject, item can get more friends than somebody else, and uh, you know there's the the pickle that's more popular than Nickelback, and (laughs) but in my opinion, infinitely infinitely more talented. Uh, What else is there? There's you know
1: oh the, the baby if it gets more more this page gets more than a million. His sister's going to name the baby Megatron.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's all these crazy things that people do on Facebook. So one of them that popped up last month was, Can this poodle wearing a tinfoil hat get more fans than conservative talk radio host Glenn Beck? And we have joining us on the line right now, on the news line there, we have... Dale Blank, who is the person that created the page. And we have on the other line Dr. Rita Louise, who you know from the program. She's the author of Dark Angels. Uh, her her radio show is Jess Energy Radio, and her website is soulhealer.com. And, and we had a great discussion with her a few months ago. And it's kind of funny how she got tied into this whole thing. <laughs> Dale, why don't we start with you. What made you decide to make this page regarding uh, can this picture of a dog get more? Because the, the dog didn't even have that picture. You made that, right?
0: I um, actually found the picture of Bitsy, Dr. Rita's dog, on a Google image search. And at first it was simply an experiment to... Um, how far i could go with what has become a meme on facebook with the whole can this random object get more fans than this scorned person or object or band or what have you and um i just thought the photo was adorable i got the biggest kick out of it and so i um uh knocked out the background and just had the dog in the hat And initially we just had a a flat gray background on it, but um, there were some people on the page when we were just starting to get some traction who were acting as if they had created it, as it were. And so I kind of threw a curveball and I threw the American flag background behind the dog and reposted the photo, and from there it just took off. (laughs)
2: Now, Dr. Rita, how did you find out that, you know, your dog was a a Facebook sensation?
4: So I um, have a girlfriend who knows that I'm a poodle person. And so this is the second poodle I have, and I have, like, little poodle things around my house. So I'm like a poodle person. And um, I also, you know, between the work that I do, and I had gone to Roswell for the 60th anniversary for the crash, And on my show, I had this whole big thing about, you know, don't worry, I'll wear my tinfoil hat. Don't worry, I'll wear my tinfoil hat. Save my brainwave from all those aliens. And so it just, you know, people just knew that I just joked about it. And so when my girlfriend saw a poodle tinfoil hat, she thought of me, started laughing, sent me the link. So I went there, and I'm like, wait a minute. It's (laughs) a I just cracked uh, it was just so funny to see my dog, especially at that point in time. she had hundred and ninety nine plus thousand fans and then I got a little jealous because she has more fans than me <laughs>
2: Bad. well th- now it is it has really picked up i mean uh, at last count the uh, the the dog page wasn 't really that much further behind Glenn Beck, and you know, I'm sure he's not really doing his part to, to draw any attention to it and, and, and ask people to become his friend to to keep him above the dog. I can't imagine Glenn Beck would resort to that, being the bombastic personality that he is. But, it, now, Dale, Facebook seemed to have a problem with this.
0: Well, yeah. Um, they have put, uh, as administrator of the page, they have put me on a published block status for reasons yet undisclosed. And I'm not going to imagine why. I just want to hear a solid response from them. That happened back on November eighteenth, just as the page had crossed the two hundred and fifty thousand fan, a quarter million fans. Um, and I I thought we were gaining, you know, great traction and it just kind of Made the growth go from exponential to linear and recently because of the uh, coverage that we've gotten there was a nice uh, piece written by um, the technology writer for MSNBC. Uh, so we've gotten some nice bumps from the press coverage we've gotten. But uh, I would just love to hear from Facebook as to hear why. I can't think of it being political. I I don't think Glenn Beck's crew, you know, his suits, what have you, put the screws on us. Um, I personally think it's a situation where it was just because of the rapid growth, they want to authenticate and make sure that I am the actual representative of the page, as it were.
2: Well, uh, the MSNBC MSNBC piece, they actually had a response uh, from Facebook and and here's what their uh, what their reason was pages are meant for entities like public figures musical artists businesses and organizations so they can share information interact with fans and create a highly engaging presence on facebook we restrict the publishing rights of pages that impersonate other entities represent generic concepts spam users or otherwise violate our page guidelines Unless they also violate our content policies, however, these pages are left up so that those who are interested in seeing their updates and interacting with them can still do so. So, And they actually said that in order to do this, you had to actually have a website to promote for for the dog? Yes,
0: yes. Um, When the page started getting some traction, people were actually clamoring for T-shirts and cups and other types of, you know, um, poodle swag, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're in the process. We're going to be getting some T-shirts made. We're going to have some uh, sweatshirts made. I'm developing the site myself. I'm a web developer by profession, so um, I'm just responding to the marketplace, as it were. But the interesting <laughs> thing is that in Facebook's response, what could be more generic than a pickle versus Nickelback? <laughs> so if it's representing a generic concept, I'm not sure if that necessarily flies so yeah. I, I, I'm wondering, I, it, when it, I had started the page, there was actually, and there is still in existence another page, can this dung beetle get more fans than Glenn Beck? Well, and I mean, I'm wondering who the agent for the dung beetle is.
2: I'm, I suppose, you know, <laughs> a, a dung beetle doesn't seem as much of a threat because it's not as damn cute as a poodle in a tinfoil hat. So. But, <laughs> and is a cutie. Well, one thing is, at what point did, did Dr. Rita contact you? Because, you know, you started calling the dog Bob the Wonder Poodle, and I'm just wondering if Bitsy's starting to get a complex.
0: <laughs> well, actually, well, uh, when it started, when when um, we had started to go viral and people were, multiple people were saying, you know, hey, look at my page, um... That's when I also, this the same time that I had put the flag as a background behind Bitsy is when I named it. And the name actually comes from a screen name that I had actually used back when IRC chat rooms was the big wave on the Internet back in the late 90s. Um, but I'd say probably, well, what was it, Rita? I, I think maybe four or five days before... We got the published block. I noticed that Rita had become a fan and had posted saying, Hey, that's my dog. And she had actually <laughs> posted the uncropped, unphotoshopped, uh, um, picture of Bitsy.
3: Yes. Yeah, so my I got
0: girl. in touch with her on uh, soulhealer.com and sent her a message saying, Hi, I'm the guy. I hope I can have your blessing and permission to continue using the image because it's just, it's just fantastic.
2: Well, Dr. Rita, you've actually, I don't know if you did it or if Bitsy did it herself, but somebody has made a page for Bitsy on Facebook now, so she has her own Facebook presence as well.
4: Well, you know, I would sit there and post Bitsy. Before the MSNBC article, everybody would just say, Bob, but, you know, I have a hard time calling her Bob. I mean, one, she's a girl. (laughs) She's a very girly girl at that. And so I would go up there and type, 50 Bob, And so people got it. So then well, one of the things that was happening, and I think you'll appreciate it considering this is Spooky South Coast, is people were going to my Facebook page and seeing the kind of work that I did. And I was starting to get slammed personally because of the intuitive work that I do and the ghost hunting work that I do. Mm-hmm. So I needed to kind of get myself personally out of it. And so thus came fishy Bob, a good Texan. You know, like Joe Bob and Jim Bob, it's Bitsy Bob. And I thought that worked, you know, it kind of went with the flow of everything. And so, and actually, Bitsy has her own page, a web page, which is poodleinatinfoilhat.com.
2: So this this dog now has more websites than I do. <laughs> <laughs>
4: And, uh, he was in Entertainment Weekly, wow. in the print edition of Entertainment Weekly, which of course I had to buy copies and send one to my mom.
2: Well, how's she handling all this newfound fame?
4: You want to really know the truth? Sure. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. So everything's going crazy. You know the page is going nuts. And what does she decide? I'm going to start pooping in the living room. <laughs>
2: Well, she can now. <laughs>
4: well, I know. Well, that was my attitude. It's like, well, just because you're a superstar, that means you can just do whatever you want, you know. But, no, I mean, she's handling it good, you know. All she ever does is sleep, you know, so I think she don't care. She get thinking... to sleep in my lap, you know. I get to check the fans and just like, ooh, you have, you know, 3,000 more fans today.
2: I think she thinks if, if Glenn Beck can poop the bed every time he goes behind a microphone, she can certainly poop in the living room. <laughs> That's, I'm not even going to get into oh, the God. Bruce Springsteen stuff that started uh, the last few days. But, uh, Dale, uh, have, you, have you heard anything from, from Glenn Beck's people? And has your page actually become a fan of Glenn Beck? Because that might you know, be a little bit of a, a tweak to them.
0: Actually, I hadn't considered that. We might just have to fan up with uh, Mr. Beck. But, no, I have not heard from them. Um, I find it very in- interesting that um, the-, the largest Glenn Beck fan page on Facebook is at around uh, 750,000 fans right now. Um, what I find interesting about it is that that particular page has been up for at least 15 months, we just crossed one month, and we're one third of the way there. So I think even with a published block, we're going to uh, we're going to surpass them. Absolutely. How can how can you resist them?
2: And I, I, you know, we're here in the studio, so we can't. We we've got the TV on. We'll have to flip it over onto NBC because I'm guessing this is somehow making it onto Saturday Night Live tonight.
0: <laughs> well, that, that would be interesting. That would be very
4: cool.
2: Well, we, we'd like to thank both of you for, for joining us. And definitely keep us up to date with everything that goes on here, because uh, especially when you get the merchandise out so we can help, help you promote it. And, you know, should I'm, I'm just saying, you know, working here at the radio station, should a slot open up and we want to have a kind of a counteracting voice to Glenn Beck's views, I, I think Bitsy would make a perfect toast. Well, you know, she's
4: always game for it.
2: The only thing is she can't poop in the studio. No, 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 no.
4: She's really not a bad girl. Okay. Well, she's a good girl, except for when she's not.
2: Because ever since we let Matt Moniz start going on the rug in here, they've been on our case to make sure that it doesn't happen again, so. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, both of you. Uh, Give our best to Bitsy, and uh, also, you know, we're rooting for the pickle as well.
0: All right, Tim. Thanks Uh, a lot. Thanks, Tim.
2: Take care. Have a good day. All right. All right. Bye. <laughs> we're going to take a break and uh, clean up Moniz's latest mess. And when we come back, we'll talk to Laura Eisenhower some more about aliens and the UFOs. Hey, you, you didn't think you were going to get away with nothing. I already cracked on him for not having a Facebook.
1: I'm not going to say a thing.
2: Who can get more Facebook friends? Matt Moniz's poop on the rug or <laughs> Matt Costa? I'm going with the poop. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
0: Shades.
2: Spooky South Coast is back. Alright, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Silent Assassin Matt Costa to my right. Science Visor Matt Moniz to my left. None of it matters to you because we're over the radio. But uh, our guest is Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, and she's talking with us about just some extraordinary circumstances of our life uh, to, to be wrapped up in. And one of the things that we were talking about, uh, of course, we mentioned at the top of the show that you are the great-granddaughter of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And we were discussing how there were rumors that there was interactions between him and extraterrestrial beings. And share with us, to to the best of your knowledge, uh, what those rumors are. Because we've, we've heard things, but I don't know if they're exactly the same thing that you've heard. Um. Well,
3: you know, I... About just exactly what you heard, if I understand it in the same way?
2: Yeah, I mean, from what we understand, there was... uh, When we talked to uh, uh, Grant Cameron, who is a a researcher of Presidential UFO Connections, he was telling us that they actually came in the night and and took President Eisenhower to a a location and basically put him face-to-face with these extraterrestrial beings.
4: Well... doubt it at all, I just have
3: no proof um, but because of what I've gone through and what's landed on me and because of just all the alien things that Agent X talked about and how much um, it's connected with this Mars thing um, as far as uh, all, all these different aspects of, of even false alien abductions and just, you know, my exes before him having experiences um, I, I, I can't doubt it at all I, I am almost at a loss. I I don't really know what to say except
2: for the fact that, um, I mean, it shows though that, you know, there definitely is reason to believe that they had been following you from a young age. If, if there's maybe there's something about that lineage, uh, even aside from just the message that you have, but maybe between your great grandfather and yourself, you're kind of predisposed, uh, to be these whistleblowers.
3: Right. Right. So that's, why um, in that bio it's sort of the Eisenhower legacy and the Magdalene legacy it seems that it's coming from both angles and that it all sort of converges Um, because as I was unfolding all this that name came up and that you know when he leaked a little bit to me about why they had chosen me it wasn't you know he mentioned the Eisenhower thing but he also mentioned the Magdalene thing and that they understood the whole Sophia Magdalene thing and then I'm like well if they understand archetypes and they're probably representing some sort of archetypes because archetypes exist within all of us I mean it's, it's um, sort of the, the, the players of you know creative energy in, in, in the world that, that we all carry. Uh, I mean, we all have the ability to balance it and, and make amends with it, and, and some people really do represent these forces. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely does relate to the bloodline, and I always felt, why is this landing on me and no other family member? Why isn't anybody else talking about it? Um, so I kind of drew the connection with, well, maybe it has to do with that part of it, but it, it definitely is you know, related to bloodline. And I talked to somebody the other day, and they said it's very often that, you know, somebody in the family inherits what another family member has, you know, uh, been exposed to or or has been, um, you know, pulled into um, for whatever reason. And and when you think about it, you know, Eisenhower was really trying to defeat evil, and uh, to see evil not just as the act of violence or war, but to see all these other layers that exist behind it – and then, you know, there's these confrontations, and then there's these new agendas that I'm dealing with today. You know, it's, it's a similar scenario that he dealt with, because this was after the Second World War um, this this happened. And it was after, you know, the Nazi Party was dying out, and here these aliens are possibly wanting their alien race to be supplied um, assistance to, in order to be able to breed more, because they are a dying race. And so I sort of drew the conclusion that the exchange of technologies and these sort of agreements related to him being a key player and, and trying to put a stop to it, but then all of a sudden he's confronting, you know, something that might have something to do with, you know, the Hitler-Nazi thing that they had agreements with them. And now, okay, well, you've kind of defeated the human part of it. Well, here we are. Can we make an agreement? And I don't know if he could put two and two together until he warned us about the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Obviously, there's good aliens. When I was young, I remember having an experience with very high beings that were alien-like, and they, you know, showed me, gave me a viewfinder thing, and, and told me to look in it. And, I, and they said this is a positive timeline. They said if you can carry this on, you know, what you'll see will will be so beautiful it'll make you cry. I was like, oh wow, you know. And I'm just, I'm pretty young, and I didn't think much of it, but it had to do, you know. There's like Mayan stuff around me, like ruins, but it was a dream, and dreams, are dreams. Um. But, you know, there's, there's many different layers and levels to the good and the bad, and they're extensions of us. I mean, it's up to us to decide who we form agreements with. And, um, and of course, they say aliens are amongst us and we're all a part of these different races, but many can transform and those that don't, um, just like they're worried that their race will die out. If, as long as we starve them power, those races will die out, or, you know, they're welcome to transform and join us. And that's why I speak a lot about forgiveness. I mean, I'm not here to punish or, or nail anybody and be blameful and judgmental, even though we know the difference between right and wrong. Um, but there is that offering of, like, you know, unification, even to the, saying that to the ones that are really trying to screw things up, they've also been a catalyst. But mm-hmm. um, it's like, they'll either be starved and fall off the map, or we'll continue to empower them, and they'll, you know, have victories here and there, but... Good always wins in the end, and that's why we see movies and, and read stories and fairy tales that always have a villain, and what happens? There's trials and tribulations and wars, and, you know, the hero goes through everything under the sun, and a hero, the hero really does represent the good of all, and everybody's a hero in their own way, and, and good always wins. So, but how long are we gonna keep this, this battle going is the thing. That's why I'm putting down my sword, and... And, and just in forgiveness now. And uh, where, where it chooses to go from here is really up to each individual, because we don't share the same destiny as everyone else. I think we're all afraid that what's going to happen is going to happen to all of us, and we're all sort of either doomed together or we're going to be okay together. And each individual has to decide and not worry about what their neighbor is thinking, but offer, you know, their neighbor or the world, you know, insights and the ability to have that chance of transformation. And if they don't know what that's about, to have an open mind in research and research and really you know, look deeply at everything around you and question it and wonder maybe if you could be on a higher path or, or connect to a deeper truth. So we have choices.
2: Sure. And if you'd like to find out more about Laura's message and her work, you can go to her website, cosmicgaia 2012com It's also linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well. If you want to call in, the numbers are 508 996 one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, and of course you can email us spookycrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. dot com. And just a reminder, if you go to our website and click on the chat link, our friend Craig is running a chat room on his site where you can join in the discussion as well. But you mentioned a few times, Laura, the idea of these artificial abductions where these are kind of implanted things. And our science advisor, Matt Moniz, uh, has actually been working on abduction cases uh, for a number of years. And he's spoken to hundreds of abductees about their experiences. And I'd like to just kind of just get a dialogue going between the two of you about these artificial uh, abductions that you're discussing and seeing kind of what the information is. Because, Matt, you were saying to me uh, during the break that there's a lot of interesting cases in regards to couple abductions.
1: Yeah, that's one of the uh, main cases I focus on. Uh, I've done work with Bud Hopkins and a number of other uh, researchers. And I focus mainly on uh, basically matched pairs people that are brought together aboard craft, introduced and forced to interact, and then meeting later on and becoming either a romantic couple or, in some cases, uh, where they're not necessarily romantic, but they work together in coalition to form a project together and what have you. In a sense, they're brought together for a number of different means, and I've... I've dealt with literally dozens and dozens of these matched pair cases. So matched pairs
3: between human and alien?
1: No, human and human. Oh okay. In other words, they're they're brought together for whatever their reasons are. Uh, like I said, some in some cases they're I guess meant to be a romantic couple and breed together. A third uh, type of person that's to be used later for whatever event. Sometimes they're of the same sex and they're brought together to work as a coalition on something. They both have the same type of drive and ambition towards, say, uh, you know, environmental issues or what have you, or and um, or just as uh, co-support for each other. If that makes any sense to you.
3: Of course, of course. Part of it is is that it's, facil- it's it's instigated by some.
1: Yeah, they're the ones, yeah. yeah, they are the ones instigating it.
3: Well, that's interesting because you know a lot of the things that I mean we obviously we know that male and female or any kind of relationship and love is, is a huge part of planetary healing and just balancing of energies and and obviously you know conception and reproduction is how we sustain life. Um, I write a lot about sacred union and this and that and most of the partners that I've met. Seem to be, uh, I wouldn't say pre-planned, but um, like karmic. And okay, well, t- tell me a little bit more.
1: Well, these people would be uh, taken uh, and introduced in a um, alien environment. Now, n- normally, as you know, with most abduction cases, the memories are capped and erased. In most right. most cases. With these specific cases, these are the only ones where generally they are allowed to remember the entire event. In other words, it's not capped. So this is something that's rattled in their heads. And then later on, I've been a personal witness to these people actually physically meeting for the first time. And they're each reciting exactly what had happened to each other and complete down to dialogue what they were wearing and no no possible way that these people have ever met before but yet they're sharing you know detailed information of encounters that you know an encounter that they had aboard quote unquote craft that they shared that this memory with other people before they met this person in what we will call stark reality here and um i i find those kind of cases extremely extremely intriguing uh, I also deal with other you know cases where it involves siblings and twins that are abducted together, you know multiple abduction cases because they 're uh, because they independently verify the other case whereas gonna say, huh? I was going to say because individ, uh, just an individual being abducted is one thing because you can blame it all on the mind, even though that may not necessarily be the case, but when you have two separate individuals talking about exactly the same thing. That gives a little actually a lot more credence to what's going on,
3: oh totally and and are they mistreated or abused or, or
1: generally are they no they they generally put through testing of of sorts, but i I very rarely get reports of people being misused or mistreated.
3: you deal with the types of people being probed and having sperm extracted because that's what happened to my ex yes. and another friend of mine
1: yes and, yes. and Sperm over-extractions are somewhat common. but uh, yeah, yeah. But generally during, like I said, these interactions, they're generally put into a room. And I'm not going to go into the details of it because it seems to be the same in a lot of these cases. It's a very specific type of room with very specific things in it. And uh, one's brought in one way, one's brought in the other, and they're left alone to interact for whatever period of time and then separated and brought back. And the memories of this entire event generally are uncapped they're they're, they're left with these memories intact yeah it's a
4: good
3: alien then
2: well that's what i was thinking. is it's kind of like the the reverse end of of what you were going through where they were trying to manipulate your relationships for a, a nefarious purpose almost where with this in some cases it, it seems to be for a positive result
3: that's so good to hear i haven't heard enough of that
1: Okay, now i got to ask you a uh, couple of other questions. Are you familiar with the old TV show and book Alternative 3? Uh-uh. You are not?
3: No, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's a lot I don't know about what's out there, except okay. for what I've gone through.
1: <laughs> well, let me give you a little bit of education, if I may. Okay. Uh, there In the 1970s, 1977, uh, British BBC put out a a uh, TV um, show called Alternative Three. It was uh, actually done on April 1st. It was like kind of a joke. And one of the things that they did in the very end of the movie was, was talking about what you know the world would do. World leaders would do if faced with a potential catastrophic catastrophe here on Earth. One was you know to uh, ignite all the nuclear bombs and just yeah. And everybody right then and there, so we don't have to worry about going through it. The second was building an underground base and selecting certain people. The third was building a base on Mars. Right, and at, right. the, at the end of the movie, it shows a 30 second spot of supposedly them landing on the, on the uh, Martian soil. And, mm-hmm. and, and the rumor was that it was actual footage. Uh, the book, Alternative 3, also focuses on the same thing, and there's another book, uh, The Casebook for Alternative 3, by um, Jim Keith, or I believe is his name. Um, the woman that wrote the book, um, I want to say Klein, uh, Kindle, Kindle, I believe is her name, but she based it on the TV show. But uh, th- that theory has been around for a number of years. It's very big in ufology, and I'm surprised you haven't heard of Alternative 3.
3: Well, too, you know, I've gone through I've gone through, but it's not like I've been keeping up with, you know, everybody else's stories because I've been kind of in a twilight zone. At times I didn't even have a television, and, you know, now I'm kind of finding everybody that has similar stories or things that have been written. I mean, it doesn't mean that I have no knowledge. I mean, there's a lot that I do know that I've seen and read about, but I have a lot to catch up
4: on.
1: Well, what's interesting is Alternative 3, the big thing about it was uh, the selection of very specific people, people descended from leaders, artists, scientists, and, and statesmen. i got
3: to check this out. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought you would find this of interest. That's what I'm saying. You're not familiar with Alternative 3. No, I'm not. Uh, go I have look read it something
3: up. <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I did read something the other day, too, about how the Martians are freaking out because supposedly – um, they're going to be in trouble around, you know, 2012 and beyond because of some something, and they're trying to locate on Earth and 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 um, and, and come to Earth and, and increase their population. Hmm. So I, yeah. I, I can't remember what source I read that from, but it seemed pretty credible.
2: If they're going to do it, they have to make sure they tell us that they're here first. None of this sneaking behind-the-scenes
3: stuff. I know. Can't we all just be friends? I mean, this is the thing. It's like there, there's m- many races. There's all different types. of of everything and diversity and like, like the web of life, you know, if we can all just accept each other's roles and not get so into the battles and into the secrecy, um, you know, a lot could work out for everybody.
2: (laughs) But there's gotta be something of, of this, this, uh, future paradigm shift that you've envisioned uh, and that you are are helping work toward that is a, a threat to what they're doing that they, they can't let that happen. They can't let us get along.
3: Yeah, well, you know, what's funny is I, I'm still, like, no matter what, I never give up and I'm, I I never think, oh, well, they're right. You know, I, I just, I, I have to just stop and they're too powerful and, and it's not going to work. I've never, ever, ever even entertained that thought. It's more like I'm not scared of them. And they're just, you know, here to just perpetuate fear and, and to lead us to believe that we can't do it. And, you know, those that can't can split off into their own little island or dimension or planet and, and have fun with it. But, you know, those of us that want to are going to, given that. I mean, really 2012 is a shift into our creativity and our imagination being the most powerful part of us. And, um, you know, it it goes beyond, you know, just creating out of belief system. It's it's what we know is true. And everybody has a right to say, this is my reality and this is true. Um, There's things that I've never gone through that others have. Why would I take that away from them? Especially if I'm coming up, you know, with with this story that others probably doubt. Um, So I, I just think that everybody has truth and reality, and I only speak my truth doesn't mean that it's somebody else's. They might want nothing but war and drama, and that's, you know, Channel 8, you know, but this is my channel, and, and I stick to it, and those that agree, you know, we'll, we'll do this together, and those who don't, I'm not trying to stop their reality. I'm not controlling, you know, so I would appreciate not being controlled. Those who want to do that, go for it, you know, but what I don't like is the non-consensual thing, the things that are done to people against their will, and the things that, you know, we don't choose that we want. And and those are the people that I'm protecting, you know, the innocent prisoner. But, you know, those who want to engage in this type of stuff, and if it's consensual, hey, I'm not going to stop you, even if it's not my flavor. It's like you go into a library, there's thousands of books. I might only pick out three. doesn't mean the other ones aren't relevant.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, one of the things that I've noticed, at least in my limited dabbles in ufology, and Matt Moniz is much more knowledgeable than I am, but, (coughs) excuse me, It seems to me that the ones who are standing out on the hill, you know, with the big signs that say, you know, take me to your leader and, you know, we we want to be part of this, they're not the ones that are being targeted or being abducted or being brought into this. It seems to be almost unanimously in what I've heard, people who are having it happen either against their will or originally they're against it and they just become resigned to it. It's never the people who are enthusiastically all for it. I would love to be taken aboard a ship.
3: Right, right. That's why, you know, this is, you know, I'm kind of all over this. Um, there's obviously unconscious that we're not aware of, and, it's, and if it's a non-harmful, non-invasive, or abusive encounter, and it leads to something positive, you know, it's just like, I might stumble across something that I didn't plan on or choose to do and be like, oh, I'm glad that happened. But when it's painful, when it causes trauma, and, um, you know, it, it messes with your life and your family, that, then that's, that's a whole nother thing. Um, so it's really refreshing to hear about the positives, you know, as long as it leads to something positive it's, and it's not some sort of mask. But there is a lot of good out there. I mean, the universe and, and creation, is is, is it's created from love as far as I'm concerned. And um, there's parasitic influences that take the form of aliens, and, and there's demons, and there's, you know, and, and to me the imagination is very powerful. And um, reality is really built out of that on some levels. And, of course, on other levels it just is what it is. But imagination isn't something to be taken lightly. It's not like, oh, it's all in your imagination. It's called something that is created, that has become real, that is birthed from, you know, when when we fear long enough or or the elements in the beginning, because I'm a kind of creation theorist. I know all about archetypes and creation and all these different myths. Um, A lot of them are based on a certain vibration being held for so long that it actually creates entities and systems that end up becoming real, but they're birthed out of, you know, certain states of mind, like fear. And, and when you carry that long enough, you start to create parasites, germs start to attack you, you lose your immune system, and, um, you know, things attack you and feed off of you and, and start to manipulate you. So, I mean, we have a lot of abilities to, you know, protect ourselves if we can recognize what is our state of mind and what are we carrying in our, 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 our thoughts and, and, and in our energetics. And, you know, it's a little bit more than just that, but it certainly helps to be aware of um, what you're allowing and to really have a boundary from these parasitic influences, and because um, there is a lot of guides out there, there's angels and, and 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 good aliens, and they're all extensions of our higher being, and they're here to assist us. And our lower being, that's maybe wrapped up in fear and and um, is being kind of manipulated. I wouldn't say because somebody fears that they deserve to go through that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you know, once that starts to happen, there is ways to um, counteract their influence and to be more powerful than they are, even though they might be alien and have you know ships and stuff. I've seen a lot of people transform, working at, you know, certain places and institu- you know this institute that I, I'm not really a part of, but I went to it, um, you know, helping people break free of demonic forces and, and really ending agreements that aliens had with them to, to manipulate them. It takes a lot, especially with the aliens, though, and, you know, certainly um, it's a little bit more challenging than something like angels and demons because they're a lot more related to, um, you know, character and integrity and, and just, you know, letting ourselves haunt ourselves, Alien, are a whole other ball game, but um, I, I do have some solutions on that front.
2: Uh, l- let me just take it back for a second to to the idea of the uh, you know the 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 painful abduction, the uh, against the will, and and um, things of that nature. I have heard one belief, uh, and and take it with a grain of salt, of course, but there's obviously something happening. There's something on the horizon, and if it's this 2012 consciousness change, whatever it's going to be, but there is something that is on on the horizon here. And one of the theories is that perhaps the reason why Uh, things are done in such a painful manner in such a traumatic reason is to shake us out of the comfort level that we've achieved here as mankind and to kind of awaken us that something is happening and then if they came and if they were uh you know friendly if they were very um what's the word i'm looking for a hoof Uh, not not, not even that, but you know, if they were very, uh, you know, considerate of your feelings and they well, kind benevolent. of benevolent, uh, yeah, almost like with a benevolent touch. If they came in that in that guise, then we're not going to heed whatever it is that's happening. And that,
3: no, we don't thrive off of kindness and and the fluffy
2: good stuff. We no, need catalysts. You respond better to a to a slap in the face than you do to a hug uh, I you agree you respond more immediately. I mean uh, you have more of a strong immediate reaction to a slap in the face than you do to a hug
3: yep most people are motivated when they're scared and they start to access the things that count rather than having things to easy. It's called taking it for granted and saying you know you end up creating a polarity when everything's good, which is to kind of you know, challenge it, and, I mean, I, I don't feel, I do, I, well, I'm not going to speak for me. I, I just know that it's like the law of nature of polarity. The thing that we, you know, and this is why there is light and dark. This is why there is trauma and abuse, and, you know, I always tell people, thank your your, your experiences and thank that abuse and thank all your wounds and all your sorrows, because this is actually a huge catalyst for a great awakening, and it's also digging causing you to dig deeper into your being and and, and showing you, you know, really what to hold on to and what counts the most and where your blessings really lie. But, you know, what I was sort of referring to, and I'm so glad you brought this up, is, um, you know, in order to heal from it, you know, take, like, what does it represent to you? and, And do you want to be run by it forever? Do you want to see the purpose it serves in order to get you to the next level? Because the next level, and on top of that next level, is a sense of power and awareness and spiritual force and just source energy, whatever you want to call it, That can deactivate and completely dissolve all that because it can't thrive in that environment. Parasites and germs cannot thrive in that environment, but they certainly are going to knock on your door if um, you need a wake up call. So, you know, the end times, it's like we have to deal with whatever forces, both good and bad, and utilize them. And the good, you know, is still going to have to have a polarity, but that, you know, that darkness can be creative and, and regenerative. And Pluto, which is the planet of like death and. You know, the underworld is also the planet of rebirth, transformation, transmutation, and and great, incredible healing. So, you know, just that alone, you know, shows that dichotomy and how actually useful it is. So uh, I think it's extremely important. A lot of people that have a lot of riches and a lot of good things happen to them can become really corrupt. And those that suffer seem to just, you know, live by the highest ideals and really put their intention on, 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 on goodness to help them get out of it. So all these forces are necessary.
2: Well, we thank you very much, Laura, for joining us and, and sharing your experiences with us. And we hope that you'll keep us up to date on your work. And, and uh, you know, if should these nefarious people re-enter your life and, and try and take you to another colony, you tell them only if they come on Spooky South Coast and explain it all to us first.
3: <laughs> oh, yes. And there's, a, makes, there's an open invite. Yes. <laughs> there, we... al- there always will be as long as anything enters my world. There's totally an open invite to anywhere I go.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, and we'll definitely be in touch.
3: Okay, definitely. Thank you for having
2: me. All right, take care. Okay, Bye. bye. That is Laura Eisenhower, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Her website is CosmicGuy2012.com, and it's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well. We're just about out of time, but before we go, we want to let you know that next week, yes, that's right, next week, we thought it was going to be college basketball, but it won't be happening here on WBSM. That's you know bad news for college basketball fans, but it's good news for Spooky South Coast fans because that means we're going to be on each and every week heading all the way up into baseball season when we might get bounced around a little bit for some games, but we know that we won't be out for the next month uh, for the college basketball and we're very excited about next week's show because joining us will be robert merch and uh, i know that matt moniz has had a chance to meet with him and, and talk with him and
1: this guy's got a phenomenal collection
2: he is the expert on all things ouija we'll be back here next saturday night to talk to you more about the topic until then for matt moniz for matt costa we want you all to stay spectacular.